0: Friends, I I feel like this weekend's readings are a kind of gut check, a kind of gut check of where we're at spiritually and in the mission of our parish. You know, a gut check is something that tests your resolve, your commitment to something, whether you're ready to actually take on what you think you're ready to take on. And I feel like the weekend before most of our students come back, though I see a number of students here, I'm assuming probably athletes, band, people that had to come back early. It's Great to see you. But most of our students will come back next weekend. And it's a chance to reflect as a parish community the weekend before the students come back on what we're about. What's our mission? What are we about as a Corpus Christi parish? What are we seeking to introduce students to? It's a gut check. And the first reading, here's the the question that's posed. Who do you serve? Who do you serve individually and as a parish? Joshua poses that to the Israelites. It's like, of all the gods and idols that are out there, who do you serve? Who's at the center of your life? Who's your priority? Who is the organizing principle of everything that you do? Who or what do you serve? And maybe it's not, we're not tempted maybe by Baal or Ashtaroth, some of these ancient pagan Israelites we're drawn to, but you know what? We have our own idols, we have our own gods that we worship and that we serve. And I've mentioned this before, St. Thomas Aquinas says there are kind of four that we tend to substitute for happiness, and as the radical center of our existence. Wealth, power, pleasure, and honor. And I don't know if you caught this in the opening song, right? The verses deal with these. And I, I read the verses last night at 4.30 because uh, we don't have music yet at 4.30 until next weekend, and it's me, cappella. And if you you know heard that first song, I was like, if I try to sing this a cappella, I'm going to butcher this like you can never imagine. You know, it's going to be horrible. So I had to sing another song, so I had to read the verses. But just listen to these. Wealth can be an idol built of gleaming gold, bringing dreams of paradise, futures bought and sold. Some will choose to gather it, all that they can hoard. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, pleasure, pleasure is a siren promising the flesh. Bring relief from emptiness, a hiding place from death. Some will choose to chase it until it leaves them bored. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We didn't sing this verse. Power is a hunger burning in the breast to walk among the mighty and trample on the rest. Some will choose to gain it by lie or guile or sword. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The composer did not write a verse for honor, prestige, or reputation. I thought about writing one this week, and then I didn't. (laughs) Maybe Luke. Luke, can you write an honor verse there, maybe? Uh, talk to Rory. You probably know Rory. Yeah, talk to Rory Cooney. Is he still alive? Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> he wrote that in 52, so... Oh, he's born in 52. Okay, all right. said so he's pretty old if he wrote that. Um, the point is, of course, that these are all things we can put at the center of our existence, some combination of them, instead of Jesus God is revealed in Jesus Christ at the center. And you know, I'm honest with the fact that I've put other things at the center of my life throughout my life. I've worshipped other things, served other things as a priority. I think I served uh, academic perfectionism, obsessed with that. I worshipped and served uh, athletic excellence. Tennis was uh, the all consuming obsession for which everything revolved around kind of political ideology and activism which became the center of my existence for a while certain people I tended to worship in a certain sense and were blinded by the realities outside of those relationships served all sorts of things still working on putting God always at the center that's that's the gut check of the first reading who are we going to serve as a parish community who are we going to serve? The second gut check is Jesus in the Gospel. Um, that probing question of whether we're going to leave Him if following Him and His teachings gets tough. So we're at the end of the Bread of Life discourse in John chapter six. We've been following this for a few weeks now. We had a little bit of a timeout with the Assumption last weekend, so we missed some good good stuff last weekend. But this weekend's kind of the climactic scene, right? Jesus is talking about how he is the bread of life. And then unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have life within you. And people, obviously, understandably are kind of balking at this teaching, right? The Jews first, the Jews that are in the audience, they say, um, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? What's he telling us to do? And then today, even his disciples say, Jesus... This is a hard saying. Who can accept it? It's shocking to them. It's unsettling. It's uneasy for them. Jesus never backs down, so much so that we read today that many of his disciples left him over this teaching and returned to their former way of life. And friends, I would suggest to you that that's the best indication from John chapter 6 that Jesus meant something more than a symbol. Now, I've had, obviously, the discussion over the Eucharist with many of my Protestant friends and family, and one thing I, I often pose to them is, why did no one leave Jesus when he clearly used other metaphors throughout the rest of John's Gospel? He said, I am the vine. No one left him. He said, I am the living water. No one left him. He said, I am the gate for the sheep. No one left him. They clearly, the crowds clearly understood that he was trading in metaphor, that he was trading in imagery, that he wasn't actually a vine, he wasn't actually a gate or water. But on this, people leave him. They had to understand the realism of what he was saying, that this is more than a symbol. That my presence in this Eucharistic reality is something beyond metaphor. Something beyond image. So many leave, and then you I think you get one of the saddest moments in the Gospels for Jesus. Jesus is seeing his friends leave him. Not his enemies, his disciples. And he turns to the twelve, and you can just hear the, the disheartening... Spirit, I bet, in his voice. Like, will you also leave me? Will you also leave me over this teaching? And Peter says those words that are unbelievable. I hope speaking on behalf of us. Master, to whom should we go? You have the words of everlasting life. Where else could we go, Jesus? You're the most compelling figure we've ever met. You offer us a a, an interpretive lens to life that we've never seen or heard before. Where else could we go but you? You have the words of everlasting life. And so for the times when we find the teachings of Jesus intolerable, difficult, not corresponding to how we normally think of things, when we hear the demands of Jesus make make demands on us that we aren't really thrilled about, Do we run, do we leave like the disciples, or do we respond with Peter? Lord, I have to stay with you, where else could I go? So friends, the weekend before our students get here, this is a gut check, it's a gut check. Where are we at? You know, I had a gut check a few weeks ago. Uh, I've dabbled in golf uh, for a number of years. Post, this was my post tennis career. And every year we have the clergy open in the diocese. These are where deacons and priests go out and compete against one another. And I've played the scramble historically. If you know anything about golf, I play with three other guys. And we won the scramble a few years ago. And then you can graduate to the individual stroke play, okay, where you play with the best and the brightest among our clergy. And none other than Father Jim Basic, okay, the, the legend, who has won the individual stroke. But mostly, it's won by this other priest, who will remain nameless in this homily. But Father Basic, among others, encouraged me that they thought I was ready, a 74-year-old priest, and to win the individual stroke clergy over. And they, so many people told me that that I was convinced I was ready myself. And so it was on a fateful day a few Mondays ago, August 1st, I think, that I went to Pastoria Country Club, ready to take on this 74-year-old priest who's won it like 30 out of the last 31 years. (laughs) And I'll tell you, man, I flopped like you couldn't believe. I choked. I choked. I was so nervous to compete against this priest More nervous than I was playing college tennis at Xavier. Like, I was nervous. I was shaking in my golf shoes. And I just, I choked. I just, I flubbed the whole thing. I didn't even get second place. I lost to another guy that was like 84. (laughs) So I failed that gut check. That was a gut check. I thought I was ready. I was not ready. Uh, I was weak. I was undisciplined. I was uncommitted. I can't wait for next year, by the way. I'm ready for another gut check. Let's let's not fail our faith gut check, like I did on the golf course. Let's take seriously, let's take stock of where we are as an individual and as a parish community on the brink of our students returning. When new students come here next Saturday or Sunday, I want them to be able to tell that as for us and this house We will serve the Lord. And when they're tempted throughout college to think, you know what, following Jesus is too difficult. I think I might have to part ways with Jesus. I want them to be able to come to this community and see us saying constantly, Lord, where else would we go? You alone have the words of everlasting